Welcome to ASCP's podcast, Inside the Lab, where we discuss anything and everything that concerns today's laboratory professionals and pathologists. My name is Dr. Dan Milner, and I'm the Chief Medical Officer at ASCP and one of your hosts. Hey, everybody. I'm Kelly Swales, and I'm also one of your co-hosts. I'm an ASCP certified medical technologist and the executive editor of journals at ASCP. Today, we're going to be talking about working on the night shift, and we have a few very exciting guests. Hi, my name is Angela Abbott. I am an ASCP certified MLS and the current night shift supervisor in the core lab at University Hospital in San Antonio, Texas. Hi, I'm Natalia Sosin. I'm assistant professor of the Department of Laboratory Medicine at Yale University School of Medicine. I'm also a laboratory site director and blood bank uh, director at St. Raphael Hospital, one of the campuses at Yale uh, New Haven Hospital. Hi, I'm Kathy Cooper. I'm anesthesiologist. I have been an anesthesiologist at Virginia Commonwealth University for the last 25 years. I'm also the anesthesia representative to our blood utilization committee and work closely with our blood bank on issues and problems, particularly related to the night shift and massive transfusion protocols. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Before we get started, I need to get a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. CME and CMLE will be available for listening to this podcast in the ASCP store. The American Society for Clinical Pathology is accredited by the Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education to provide continuing medical education for physicians. ASCP designates this enduring material for a maximum of one AMA PRA Category 1 credit. Physicians should only claim the credits commensurate with the extent of their participation in the activity. All right, so that's out of the way so we can get going. Uh, first off, I want to say that I worked night shift uh, for my first few years of my career right out of school. So I, I very much feel all of your pains. And I know it's not for everyone. First off, I'd like to ask how, uh, how long each of you have worked nights and kind of what your general experience is with the shift. Oh, well, I've been on night shift now for three years in the laboratory. It's been rewarding. It's been fun. But I've always had experiences working late nights, family as well fathers, mothers. So kind of an initial exposure to kind of be working on nights and knowing kind of what comes with it. I worked night shift for uh, all four years as a resident, as a pathology resident, followed by one year as a, a transfusion medicine fellow. And now it's my third year as attending and I take call um, every month for about seven to eight days nights. In anesthesiology, we do various nights. Um, we often do weeks of nights, so seven nights in a row. I will also do some some weekend shifts. I suppose for most of our career, I've done either night shift in the, the regular OR, but I've also done cardiac call and transplant call with liver transplants. They all tend to be in the middle of the night, especially the liver transplants, which of course are very high blood utilization and lots of communication with the blood bank. I actually enjoy nights because that's when we get to work with our residents. It's a small team. It's a lot easier to teach. I've done a lot of teaching in the last two years as we've solved a lot of issues with the blood bank and communication with blood bank from being able to work nights. So I, I actually like nights. It's our own little show and it's fun just to get the work done. And I come from a family where my father worked uh, shift work at a paper mill my whole life, his whole life, and, and worked the 11 to 7 shift every other, every third week. And my sister, uh, as a nurse, worked 11 to 7 for like 20 something years before she switched to days. I only ever had to do nights when I was a resident. And now I thankfully don't have to do them, but I do. I finally remember them. And I will have to say, I learned almost everything I learned on blood bank. I probably learned from being on night call uh, with Richard Benjamin from the from the American Red Cross. So, so you guys are all different. You know, we have an anesthesiologist with us. We have an MD, we have an MLS. What does a typical shift look like for you? Can you just like for each of you, just take us through what your shift looks like, the size of your team? You know, is it is it super busy? Is it busy at certain points? Is it completely un- random? Just, just kind of give us a flavor for what, a, for what your call is like. Most on call issues for laboratory medicine are handled over the phone. However, taking calls from home can be as busy as for those folks who stay at the hospital covering it. Laboratory receives variety of calls. As uh, for those who don't know, most of uh, after hours call for laboratory comes uh, concerning laboratory uh, um, transfusion medicine and blood bank. Here at Yale, laboratory medicine also covers a forensic service, providing inpatient consult and, uh, you know, serving those patients um, who need 
immediate interventions, like for example, uh, therapeutic plasma exchange for TTP patients or red blood cell exchange for uh, sickle cell patients. We also provide consult for newly diagnosed leukemia with high blood count for emergency requiring immediate interventions. So like I said, the variety uh, is really broad and um, we each opportunity into the teaching opportunity for our team as we take calls with our, with our trainees. Usually with me on the call, I have a resident and a fellow. And so we talk amongst ourselves and come up with a plan how we're going to handle situations like that. Yeah, so I, I work over at the uh, in a core laboratory at a level one trauma hospital. So taking over the shift is kind of like a baton race, I suppose. You come onto the shift and you start from a team on the second shift that has maybe 20 personnel and it cuts down drastically to our team of eight in the laboratory. Um, I go over to each department with each lead, uh, check in with the supervisors and kind of see how the status of the laboratory is going. Because though I stay there, what seems like my second life, always there, things change so much from one shift to the next. I was here eight hours ago and so much has changed. What's going on? Um, and get the rundown in each department for each different needs. And I kind of go on to the shift already at this point, kind of prepared to know what it is I should be asking because I, I know the resources that I have on nights sometimes can be limited. Are there and available? But my availability are now asleep or they're on call. So kind of just going into the shift with um, an idea in mind. My backup plans have backup plans and just having a really open communication between every department and kind of taking that baton and going into the shift to see what is it that we have to prepare for? What it is I have to keep in mind for the next 12 hours before the day comes on and the new renewed 40 personnel come on shift. And we kind of have like a, a, an attack plan with the eight people that I do have with me. And we all kind of work together and it's very well hashed out now at this point, you kind of just go in with an idea in mind and the people that you want to kind of get the ball rolling because the patients don't stop even in the middle of the night. It's kind of slow when you first get in for our shift, but oh boy, when it gets <laughs> the 4 a.m. rush, you know, you yeah, have to say once they start their three or four a.m. rounds, yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> at that point, there's you have to already have been ready to go <laughs> by then. Yeah. It's totally variable for us. We are a level one trauma center. As I said, we do cardiac liver transplant. Some nights can be pretty quiet. It's actually rather unusual. We don't have a major trauma that requires massive transfusion. Uh, we actually get a lot of blunt trauma, which requires a lot more blood sometimes than the, the shootings and the stabbing. We also have very sick ICU population that can get into some trouble pretty quickly emergency surgeries. I would say we do four, five, six cases a night, particularly on weekend nights, pretty high incidence of orthopedic trauma. Sometimes we're doing those, the initials, and then later on, but it can be totally variable. We, we literally go from zero to 90 in 20 seconds. And uh, that's when we hit the blood bank pretty hard and just never know when it's coming. And at times have not had the best process to make that need for blood in particularly as smooth as it could be. And, and I just want to uh, comment on or, or further dive into something Angela said, which was, you know, this baton race, this baton passing that has to happen. They have really have to have a sign off where she has to go around to all the supervisors and do that. And that totally makes sense because the lab is just continuously working organism to produce to produce the results that the patients need. In my recollection, Natalia, that that you might have a handoff for CP if something happened to be happening at the time when you were taking over, but in general, that, that wasn't that common. And I would imagine it might be similar for you, Kathy, but what, what is your experience or your preference, I would say, for handoff or for when you come on shift? Do you try to have contact with people or do you just have to jump in there and wait for somebody to call you? How does that work? Uh, we, we do have a formal handoff as we take over the shift. We fortunately actually have three attendings in-house at all times, one person on obstetrics, and two in the main operating room, and then a total of four residents. So we all get handoff on cases that are going or that are coming up. Even in the main OR, we know what's going on in OB and what might be happening because we cross cover. And that's, it's huge. It's huge to have enough staff. I think it took me 25 years doing this job to realize 
the most critical thing you can have in any area is enough staff. And when you don't, that starts to be a problem. But we do do a, a formal handoff and kind of assign duties and, and what we're going to be doing and then always have the plan in reserve, even when we're running more rooms than we actually have staff for, what are we going to do when the next trauma comes in? We do have formal handoffs and what we call rounds twice a day in, a, in our laboratory at Yale New Haven Hospital. In the afternoon four four thirty, we uh, kind of hand off to the evening night shift uh, and um, we discuss patients who's, who remain on a kind of radar to watch for aphoresis services. It might require urgent procedures overnight. Also, we discuss our blood supply going to the night, whether we're short on some blood products and we need prospective reviews of all cases that will, will be ordered for um, blood transfusion. And then in the morning after the shift, we do morning rounds with handoff what happened during night. Again, we discuss all the patients that came up, what we did, what interventions we did, what procedures we did, and again, what is the inventory going into the day, whether we need to increase number of uh, units that we get from a Red Cross, do we have high-risk procedures scheduled for the day in OR, and things like that. My least favorite call from the blood bank is like, Friday at 6 p.m. when they say we're out of blood or we're out of platelets and you're like okay now all weekend I have to approve every time someone needs blood and depending on the size of your hospital that's constant constant challenge. Yeah absolutely first I want to ask uh, you Angela just because I'm curious you say that you're managing the the core lab are you guys responsible for blood bank at all or no? No, at this hospital, it's going to be a different department, but I do, I've worked at several other level three trauma hospitals where I still PRN and blood bank is part of that as well. And so actually when I first started night shift, I was part of a team where it was me and just a single other tech. And we were in charge of the, it was coag hematology, urinalysis, body fluid, chemistry, and blood bank. Yeah, that's, it's, blood bank is kind of an unusual beast, whereas I, I like you're your saying, Dan, depending on the size of the hospital, mm-hmm. is blood bank included with the rest of the lab? Is it not? The first lab I worked at when I did the majority of my shift work, blood bank was physically in the same vicinity, but only the blood bankers worked there that none of us rotated through. And then the lab I worked in most recently before coming to ASCP was, um, yeah, blood bank was was in the lab and everyone had to rotate through on evenings and evenings and nights. I know starting starting this podcast, and it, it's kind of funny because everyone seems to be talking about blood bank, and that's what I remember from working, like covering night shifts in my last job was like, oh God, I hope nothing goes, I hope nobody has a motorcycle accident because I just can't handle it. So I kind of want to talk about like some of your more challenging night shift experiences. Like what's what's an experience that you've had that's been like really insane and crazy and how did you deal with it and how did your team deal with it? This is actually a good one. It's it, it was challenging, uh, but we had a liver transplant started at four o'clock in the afternoon and we knew the patient was going to be very, very challenging. And we had all our usual blood banks set up. We had had because of the blood shortages decreased what we had set up. So we were only asking for five red cells and plasmas at a time. And they made the skin incision and we started exsanguinating. And I picked up the phone and I called the blood bank. I said, guys, you need to put your boots on because it's going to be a very, very bad night. It's going to be a very bad night. 168 units of blood products later, I am proud to say that they never flinched. They gave us everything we needed. We got exactly one phone call from the lab, and they said, you know, you're using a lot of FFP. Do you want us just to send 10 at a time? (laughs) Because we were going five at a time, five at a time. And we said, actually, no, we're settling down. And they just did a terrific job. That was over two shifts. But that had to have been. I mean, we used, you know, as I said, 168 units, cryoplatelets. Yeah, they've got, their, they've got their water baths going just constantly. Yeah, and they did a, a phenomenal job getting that to us. But I can't imagine, you know, walking, kind of walking into work, you know, at 11 o'clock and like, oh, my gosh. What is yeah, going you're walking in and it's like a war zone in the blood bank. Yeah. You're like, OK, here we go. <laughs> yeah. And when we finally got finished, we called them, you know, and we thanked them and said, please thank the day shift as well. And everybody's like jumping around high fiving because and the patient actually did quite well. But that was an effort in a night that none of us ever stopped, including the entire blood bank. And, you know, that that was just a, a great challenge, but a great 
save really. Yeah. Like a great success story. Like this yes. is how, this is how like a well-oiled machine can actually yes. work. Yes. Yes. And we, we called, we checked with them. They kept it flowing. It just, everybody just did what they were supposed to do. And it was really, it was really very nice and a good story. I had a very interesting case when I was starting my career as an attending. I was involved in care of a 10-year-old boy with acute bleed requiring urgent blood transfusions overnight. But the problem is that his parents were um, Jehovah's Witness and did not consent for any blood products or blood-derived products to be received by this child. By the morning, the patient status became very critical, prompting an interdisciplinary discussion involving risk management and ethics committee and as a result we obtained a court order uh, to um, transfuse this patient and so he did receive proper treatment and uh, that was an interesting case because while we couldn't do anything uh, without other parties to be involved in the middle of the night we were kind of on the phone with clinicians and with all the parties involved uh, providing mental support for each other because it was very difficult to see this little child deteriorate in front of everybody's eyes and uh, it was devastating so again we we really turned into the teaching opportunity for all our trainees how to work as a team and never take uh, this responsibility on your own shoulder because sometimes it involves a lot of services and a lot of discussions to arrive to the uh, right decision and uh, provide proper uh, patient care. My story might be a little bit more anticlimactic than my previous Mm -hmm. two stories. (laughs) Uh, But I guess this is more uh, routine in some cases where, you know, downtime or communication failure is pretty routine in like a laboratory setting. But I found that the most challenging are the ones that happen where it's not a scheduled downtime. It's not a generator test. It's not a software update or a system update. And so times happen where in the middle of the night at 2 or 3 a.m., entire servers will go down in the laboratory in the middle of the run. And I think that the immense amount of patient samples, I think I had seen that about Eight to 10,000 laboratory tests are run in the entirety of a day at University Hospital from between all departments. And the morning run of that is sometimes up to like a quarter of all the testing that's done in that single period of about a two hour span. And the immense flow of trying to uh, delegate and triage the, the stats, the babies, get everything in a well oiled machine, communicating with the floors, the physicians, putting the codes out manually entering everything and keeping everybody in the loop, I think can be really challenging because the resources are always available. I've come to found the resources are there for us. The resources sometimes are just asleep, the tech supports (laughs) and everybody uh, happens to be on call. And at that time, it's a matter of the time and the prioritization and trying to allocate your stats and your your emergency room samples and patients. I find those to be the most challenging for us in the core lab, just because of the flow and the the amount that we get in these short amounts of time too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think you have all confirmed that night shift is, you know, it's a strange beast. And one of the things that I, in my personal experience, certainly I don't think this is foreign to anyone else, is that folks who work the night shift, especially in the lab, especially our bench techs, are often the least experienced, but have an incredible amount of responsibility because they're, as Angela described, they go from 40 to 20 to eight people on that night shift, and they have to be able to make fast decisions that can directly impact patient care. And I'm sure that's true in the other specialties as well. And certainly when you're a fellow on call, as Natalia was describing, you're the first call person, you have to wait to call the attending until something really bad happens. And so it can be a little bit stressful. So how can administration support the night shift or support these individuals? And, or what more do you think administration of hospitals or, or institutions need to do to support the night shift? I dubbed something I call the heinousity index about how heinous particular shifts are. And in anesthesia, we have to cover 24-7. And when we look at shift differential and call fairness, it you know, how heinous is that shift? And nights are just heinous. They're heinous in any department. They're difficult shifts. You're off your usual sleep-wake cycle. And 
weekends are not great. You know, people like their weekends off. And I very strongly feel that that nights and weekends should be compensated because they're heinous shifts. We have we have nurse anesthetists that are willing to work every weekend. They should be very well paid because that's everybody else that doesn't have to work those heinous weekend shifts. And I think there's never been the proper appreciation of the the nurses, the physicians, the lab folks, everybody working the night shift. And I really think that should be compensated. And I think that's something the hospital administration needs to realize is this is not a desirable shift. It's a difficult shift. It's a challenging shift. And they need to pay for it. I don't know how to make that happen. But watching our own blood bank folks as we're having a shortage of of technologists right now, that's what needs to happen to get people into those positions. I agree completely with Kathy that this is, needs to be uh, properly compensated because we do appreciate these people to work off hours. Um, and we, first of all, want them to feel like they are part of the team. So what we do in our laboratory, we are um, holding most of the meetings in the laboratory in the, early in the morning before uh, night shift leaves and, and after morning shift arrives. So we all together as a team discussing things that need to be discussed during meetings. Also, we offer some folks to work three 12-hour shifts a week so they can have four days off if they need to be spending more time with their family. Another uh, thing we're doing in our um, laboratory is that every didactic uh, teaching session done by our trainees or our faculty concerning the education, we record and we have it available for all shifts. So people also feel like they can learn regardless of the shift they work. Uh, Yeah, I completely agree with all statements said before uh, as far as compensation and the appreciation that should be given to the personnel that really sacrifice a lot of their lifestyle, their living and waking days, and the way that they conduct the rest of their life is revolved a lot around what it is they put into the workload on these off hours and these after hours. While I was aware of what it is to be on nights, I mean, obviously I'm awake during the nights and I'm asleep during the day, but actually living a lifestyle in a long period and a long setting, you, you know, you forego a lot of things and sacrifice a lot for it. But uh, like Natalia was saying, as far as like communication, having meetings on that in-between periods kind of really does help for our administration Uh, in particular, there's a lot of receptive communication and like an open road between communication, being receptive to the feedback of the people experiencing things going on in the night shift. And I found that process improvement plans flow better and are better understood from differing shifts and from the admin team as well when they are receptive and open to what is it that you're experiencing on your nights? How can we bring this to light? What can we do to make this better? Because I feel a lot of the time it's hard to know what's going on on nights until you kind of go through it and you kind of realize what you do have and what you don't have. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I worked with some folks on night shift that really just couldn't handle it, right? Because like like you're saying, it's not just the sacrifices you make in your personal life, but it's like a physically hard shift to work on your body. And if your body's just not, you know, cut out for it for whatever reason, yeah, they don't last. For a variety of reasons, of course, it's hard to have staff retention, right? Uh, I mean, the medical laboratory is seeing that all over. That's not terribly shift dependent, but midnight shift has always been just, typically speaking, hard to hard to staff and hard hard to retain. What are some things that we can do outside of compensation? Because I know that we just talked about compensation and yes, definitely people need to be paid for it. I know one of the labs I worked at, lab where I did most of my midnight shift, they did what it sounds like your lab does, Natalia, with a, we did three days a week. We had like two teams of midnight shifters. One team worked Sunday, Monday, Tuesday night, seven to seven. The others worked Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, seven to seven. And then we rotated the eight hours on Saturday. And like I said, I worked uh, midnights there for two years and none of my coworkers left. I was the first one to leave. And that's only because we moved. So it was a really successful experiment for that lab. So what else can we do to maybe, maybe to keep these folks on this shift? What I can see about my personal experience that I notice for the personnel that do work the night shift, a lot of the time I've noticed that people choose and seek out the night shift scheduling because of 
a lot of circumstances in their other components in their life. I see a lot of employees who have children, small children or children who are in school. And so working the night shift works out for them in ways that maybe a day or a second shift is not going to work, or they are going to school, they're doing some kind of other continued education to where working on the night shift is most beneficial for their schedule. Albeit they lose some sleep, but they really utilize and take advantage of those night hours to work in. And so I think that as far as the administration supports having these types of incentives to better support their lives outside of the work, I see is very helpful. I've seen um, like facilities that offer childcare support, whether it be like a daycare facilities or opportunities for them to utilize the resources for reimbursement for their education, things like of that nature is really the the target audience that I think night shifters, that's what it is that they kind of seek out, you know, that people I've noticed lean towards nights because there's something else also going on in their days, maybe. So I I do notice that. I think that is an immense help and support. So first, I want to address recruitment. We partner with the local laboratory technician programs, and we uh, offer them to rotate through our laboratory, and we help to train them. We um, then uh, offer them employment when they graduate. So what we, what I want to say about this is that uh, Yale uh, New Haven Hospital has two campuses. Main campus is a busier accommodation with a lot of uh, workload and busier environment. And we have a St. Raphael campus, which more represents um, community settings. So when we have the students rotate through both campuses, we kind of expose them to both settings and we emphasize that they can actually choose which setting works better for them so they make choices that's going to work for them the best. So about retention, we, as I'm sure most uh, labs across the United States, uh, really struggled uh, with uh, keeping uh, adequate staffing in the lab, especially during COVID pandemic. And uh, what we started with is we adjusted uh, hourly rates of our employees to make their compensation competitive to the uh, centers in the area. And frankly, there is not much written about what measures uh, one can take to retain employees at the workplace in a laboratory. And so, believe it or not, uh, compensation is not the most important factor that keeps people satisfied at the workplace. So we, uh, as an institution, uh, doing this um, employee retention program uh, across the all delivery network. So what actually does matter from what we know that makes people uh, satisfied at the workplace is uh, safety and wellness, uh, work, family kind of balance, uh, then whether they get you know, opportunity to, for growth at the workplace, where they get education, all those things matter for all shifts, especially for night shifts. So like I said, we uh, offer our night shift employees uh, three 12-hour shifts uh, followed by four days off where they can, you know, be with their families. And uh, we also work on the safety for their parking accommodations. Again, goes to the uh, after-hours workers when they often walk in and out of parking lot during uh, night hours when it's dark. So we, our security guards uh, on demand provide a personal escort um, during those hours so people feel safe. We also offer uh, help with tuition reimbursement and help with student loan repayment, which, again, often concerns of those uh, night shifters, which often, uh, you know, uh, is a, a new grad that we hire. So what's also important for satisfaction at the workplace and why people like where they work is that if there is any opportunity to grow professionally. So what we offer here at Yale New Haven Hospital is a what we call professional ladder where techs start to work as a tech A. And so they have a basic responsibility and they perform well. We uh, give them more uh, to do. We, we kind of give them more complicated tasks uh, and promote them to tech B with the 
differential in their pay. From there, they have an opportunity to grow to shift coordinator and if they're successful to chief tech. And from there, they have opportunity to be considered for manager. So that is something that we in the process of development and some steps already set up and uh, this uh, you know should serve well for people who work for us again education at the workplace is very important for us so we are very fortunate to have a big residency program here at Yale New Haven Hospital and what we're doing more year after year incorporating uh, uh, work with uh, you know tax with residents so when they work together at the bench during their rotations, tax educate residents about technical uh, issues uh, of instruments and the quality control and so forth. What we found to be very effective is that, that when residents teach tech technologists of a clinical implication of what they do at the bench and why they do what, what they do for the patients. So that brings a lot of uh, kind of filling the gaps in, in the education because we know medical technologists uh, mostly know about technical stuff and they don't always think about consequences for the patient on the clinical side. So that's where we find very beneficial point in their growth and, and education and satisfaction at work when they learn more, when they work in a team environment, working with residents. And we're doing uh, this incorporation more and more each year and find it very beneficial for both sides. We take lab week very, very serious. So this is our opportunity for, to say thank you for everything our technology is doing for the patients, for the services. So what we do, of course, we kind of think very seriously about what gifts that will be given them each year. Also, what we do, uh, we create this um, awards in many categories where um, we nominate employees and uh, we talk about their outstanding work. Not only managers and directors nominate people in these categories, but we strongly encourage their co-workers, their peers, to nominate each other. So people usually write about what is it like to work with this person? What are their achievements? How, why is it they're great? What do they do to inspire others? And that is usually very happy time when we read about these employees that we work with each day and we learn so much about them uh, that we didn't know. Again, we include all shifts in there equally. So everybody feels like they're part of the team. I guess the most important thing in all these interventions is that we we trying to bring everybody together. Like I already said, we do morning rounds, including night shift and morning shift together. We, we invite them for the for educational session with the resident. We we want them to see what they do on the in the laboratory. It's very important for the patients. We clearly communicate our goals for laboratory. What is the vision? for laboratory overall, so that we all have the same goal and everybody feels united under this uh, kind of a direction that we have for our organization. And the most important that we always encourage the feedback. Whatever we're doing, we want to see whether this is working for our people or not. Maybe this is the right direction, but we just need to change a little bit. So we, we kind of address everybody's concern. So when we when people see that the leadership really cares about each individual, this changes the whole, you know, uh, atmosphere in the laboratory. We already see the changes where people say, we see that you care. Thank you so much for doing it for us. So, you know, all those little steps matter. So compensation is a one thing, but all these other things make every day different. So this is where we are in our laboratory and we Again, for all shifts, we're uniting people, we bring them together, and so that they can feel like we are one big family here. I agree with Angela that a number of our folks working nights are doing it because of higher education. They're in school. This is our OR technicians, even some of the nurses, and it works out well because you can have you can actually have a little downtime on the night shift and you can study. It's not uncommon for me to find one of our anesthesia techs studying. Now, she may not look at that book all night long, but 
it works out well for her. And she, because we're university affiliated, she can get a lot of her classes paid for. Um, I think that's that's huge. And that's that's another nice way. Also, the variable shifts, because it, we're finding that. And I mean, I know we're all seeing the problem in the, the post-pandemic. You know, people are like, I don't have to do this. I don't ha- I don't have to work. I don't have to do these shifts. And it's a real problem in a lot of areas. And I think the more we can accommodate and be flexible, you know, is it a childcare issue? Can we do a little bit different hours? Can we do something creative to meet that person's needs? I think that's what we're going to have to do. People retained and to fill some of these less desirable shifts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the other, you know, the other challenge that happens is, you know, not to put this word on it, but it's there is it can be lonely, right? If you don't have that cadre, that community of people around you who you're used to curbsiding, et cetera. You know, and so for example, for a pathologist who takes call, you know, in many cases, you're going to be seen as the expert in every department because you're the person they're calling, but you may personally not feel that's the case, right? You may be AP CP board certified. And, but you're getting all these blood bank calls and suddenly you get a random chemistry call or a random frozen section call, like if that's your practice and, you know, you, you don't have that support. So, and this can happen with, you know, with Angela going from 40 to eight, or obviously Kathy, when you're down to just three anesthesiologists, can you guys discuss situations where you have to make decisions, right? But you feel like you may need backup in order to do so. And, and what have you done in those scenarios? I know Angela's kind of already hinted at this a little bit. Everyone's asleep. And you all mentioned you have backup plans of backup plans, but what are some some things that you do when you have to make a decision where you normally would be like, oh, I would ask three people before I make this decision, but you can't because you're on night call. How do you handle that? Well, I guess we're lucky in that we do have our colleagues around and we can call people if we need, if we have a cardiac question, we have somebody on cardiac call, we can call. I do know one lab related situation we had, we went into a new medical record system and their interfaces were not working well in the blood bank. And it was a very bad situation for the night techs. They did not have enough techs and they didn't have anybody to help troubleshoot what the issues and problems were. And we got into some very bad situations uh, where they could not supply us blood for massive transfusions. And that got resolved pretty quickly, more help, more help available but it took a couple of very bad, very scary situations on the night shift that I actually took all the way up to the CEO of the hospital. I said, this can't happen. We cannot leave people out here with a system that's not working and they can't, they can't do their job. And I think that was a very bad thing that happened to our blood bank staff who are normally very good and work hard at night. And they kind of got left high and dry without enough people and without the support they needed both computer support and technical support and, you know, their peers, just more people there working. And that did get resolved pretty quickly. But that's the kind of situation you don't want to get in at night when you just can't fix it and you don't have anybody to help you. Say that that's really awesome that you advocated for them, because I know I don't remember like a specific situation offhand whenever I was working the night shift. But yeah, especially like in the blood bank or something. It's like, it's really crazy. And, you know, whatever the techs work the problem, we figure it out. Okay, fine. And then you might say the next day, like, yeah, this was actually like really terrible. But because nothing bad happened, right? And sometimes it's hard to impress on people like, no, this just how bad this really is. You know, because what that happened at three in the morning and everything's cleaned up by seven, like how bad could it have been kind of thing. So I'm really, I'm really happy to hear that you advocated for the lab in that instance, because you're seeing it from the other side and you're like, no, this is wrong. This can't happen. Yeah. And this was one, one of my colleagues was dealing with a massive transfusion. I said, you know, I'm just going to go to the blood bank and see what's going on. They couldn't cross match blood. Their stack of type and screens was going up, 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 and they couldn't get to them. They couldn't give us the blood weight they needed. I mean, to see the, to see the technologists in tears because our patient was dying in the OR and they, they are like, is this because we can't get the blood cross-matched? It was a very, very powerful story. And I think the advocacy, I was proud of that. I was proud that I was able to go and say, hey, this is unacceptable and it needs to be fixed. And, you know, I can do that because I've been here a long time. I know a lot of people, but that actually really was a springboard that got things happening. Because like you say, yeah, it happens. It's the middle of the night. We always manage to deal with it. Everything came out okay. It was not, you know. Yeah, you didn't have a patient that it was had not a patient issue. Right. Yes, yeah, a it's patient not adverse like a, event. 
Yeah. But it was a profound systems problem that needed everybody to be listening. And and I think that's, you know, that's how we've lost some of our night staff in the blood bank is this was a, a really bad ongoing problem. And a lot of people just said, I'm not going to deal with it and left. Um, and yeah. then that left us short staffed. Right. Um, because because uh, you're kind of talking about because as you're telling the story and like mm-hmm. going to the blood bank and, and mm-hmm. seeing like texts and tears. I actually just kind of have like a physical reaction because I've had instances like that. It's like, oh, my God, I can't do my job. People, yes, you know, like people don't send specimens to the blood bank at three in the morning just for just for fun. Right. Like this is like a big problem that needs to be fixed right now. And the idea that you can't do that and the idea that and also the idea that you might not have somebody might not have your back the next day. Yeah, absolutely. I can see why folks would maybe leave over that. Yeah. Angela or Natalia, any examples of, of systematic problems that you've identified on the night shift that, that were then solved because you brought it to attention? Sometimes we have high risk trans- liver transplants going to the night. And so those patients tend to bleed a lot and use a lot of products for our supply, depleting our supply for, you know, available for other folks in the hospital. So what we, um, recently um, put into place a futility protocol preventing uh, you know total uh, depletion of supply as a result of a very bad case you know or, or otherwise in the trauma center and so they you know using that kind of a backup that protocol saves a lot of blood products and we only use it several times during last year but it, it did help to uh, reserve inventory during night what brought all of this to a head for us was really a, a triple hitter and i've never seen anything like it it was partly pandemic it was partly blood shortages it was partly staff shortages and then it was a complete change in the computer system into something that was not working and then we were having massive transfusions and transplants in the middle of the night and it really showed the system's issues in a way that was very, very clear and that we were able to work you know, with the folks in the blood bank and kind of escalate and really force the IT for part of it. But it, it, it was a perfect storm, truly unlike anything I've ever seen. And I certainly hope I never see it again. But I, I felt really, really bad for our lab folks that were having to be the ones in the middle of the night with the OR screaming, we need blood, we need blood. And they couldn't get it to us. Backup plans for backup plans. Backup yes. plans for backup plans. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, you guys are kind of touching on something that I, I want to ask because, you know, like obviously we've mentioned sometimes the night shift in, in the laboratory uh, or wherever you're working can just have a few people on staff. You might only have one other coworker or a handful of other coworkers, but you're off also working pretty closely with other departments throughout the hospital. Do you guys find that you're closer to like your night shift crew that's hospital wide? Uh, Are you more close with them than you are like say your other lab colleagues that work other shifts? Definitely for myself personally, there is like a very strong like sense of teamwork and trust that we have within my own shift for the third shift. Just in comparison for other departments in the hospital setting, I'd still say that there is a like a camaraderie between other departments, whether it be on the floor, ancillary services, admins on the night still. Kind of like I see you're in the same boat as I kind of situation. But the way that we are now on the nights, I think I definitely have like a really strong sense of teamwork, more so than like first and second. Yeah, definitely. Whenever my first job out of school, I got pretty close to one of the pathology residents because uh, our protocol was if we saw blast on a smear, we had to call the resident on call to like get that confirmed or whatever. And so, yeah, Gretchen and I got pretty close. Like she came to my bridal shower, you know, but you know, nobody from day shift came. So yeah, Yeah. you do get really close. I think on nights you have to really learn that you have to utilize your resources and your resources a lot of the time are your teammates, your colleagues, uh, the professionals that you work with alongside you. Uh, They are a resource and to utilize them really makes like a really strong relationship in the end as well. I remember when I was on blood bank, you know, I 
because the the night shift was a bit smaller, but still it was a busy blood bank. It was a large hospital in Boston, and and we had liver transplants <laughs> where the blood bank you know was super busy. I was on call, and about one in the morning, I got a call from you know the blood bank, and we had been had been getting calls to do things, and it was fine. But I got a call, and they said, "Can you come to the actual blood bank?" And it was home call, but at that point, I had already come in for some other reason. And they took me to the side, and they they said that you know one of our blood bank attendings is getting an enormous amount of blood products right now. And so they were all working, trying to do what they were doing, but they were concerned about their colleague, you know, who, who's their mm-hmm. boss and what was happening. And they were very, you know, it was, it was really distracting them. And we, you know, I calmed them down and we talked through it and they got to what they were doing. And I said, let's just focus. Let's just, you know, figure it out. And of course, you know, the next day I was still there and I went and, and saw the person as a, as a patient and talked through what had happened and then asked her what, you know, what can I tell the staff? Cause they've been concerned about you all night. And she was like, that was my only thought all night that they must be really worried about me because they're seeing me come up so much because she could see, you know, all the blood they were using. So I went back to the blood bank and told them what was happening, but it was, it's one of those things where you're working on, especially if it's a blood bank situation, you're working all night to try to save a patient that you don't see. And, you know, Kathy's story about they're crying because they can't cross match. And like, is this really impacting a patient or this particular story where this is our friend, like, are we not doing what we're supposed to do? I can't make a mistake. We have to save them. It, it has to be really stressful. But if that happened during the day, you know, there's all these other people there that can come in and support and do that. But when you're on the night shift, it's, it can be really, can be really challenging. So I, I just remember always being like a bit lonely when I was on call, but being very, very close to all the people that were there, because as you said, we had a shared experience and we were, you know, we were going through the same thing, but it, you know, it still is that, is that like, but it's still just us. There's no one else here. So it can be a little bit, a little bit stressful there. That's yeah, a little yeah. bit of a, a feel-good story. We, we had a bit of a feel-bad story in the middle of this perfect storm where nothing was working well. Our computers weren't working right for blood in the OR. It wasn't working right in the blood bank. And everybody got really frustrated and really upset. And there were some really nasty interactions, I'll have mm-hmm. to say, between the anesthesia staff and the people in the blood bank. And yeah. it went it went both ways. And it was things, you know, they were telling us we weren't doing it right. We were doing what we were supposed to be doing in the computer. And they were throwing our blood bank samples in the trash can. And if you want to really upset anesthesiologists, throw their blood bank samples in the trash can. And it got really very, very nasty. And we had to kind of step back, uh, do a whole lot of education, a whole lot of this is not the folks in the blood bank's fault. This is a different system problem. And really had to do quite a bit of talk, discussion, education on both places and say, guys, everybody's frustrated. Everybody's upset about this. We're working on the root cause problem here. But for God's sakes, be nice to each other. You know, if you have to call the blood bank, I said, if I hear that anybody in my department has yelled at somebody in the blood bank, I'm going to come yell at you. You know, because we just have to act like civilized human beings. And it, it really got everybody was so frustrated and so upset and so emotional about the whole systems problem that we really weren't very nice to each other. And I'm happy to say that has now settled out and I'm starting to hear about, wow, I called blood bank and they were really nice. (laughs) And to hear the blood bank saying, gee, nobody from anesthesia has yelled at us in a week or two. And (laughs) you just don't ever want to be in that position. You don't want to ever be in that position. And as the leaders, you know, we really had to kind of step in and work and say, hey, this is a group problem. We can all be mad together, but we cannot be mad at each other. Well, it's a a high stress environment, like we're saying, right? Obviously, we're all just here because we want to help patients and we're frustrated at the system and we're frustrated that the patients aren't being helped (laughs) and we take that out on each other. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Well, I'm glad that you were able to work through it. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. And it it, it just shows, you know, you get enough straws on the camel, the camel is going to go down. And, you know, I think that happens to all of us on occasion, but usually our system works a little better than that. (laughs) Um, and you know, it's just, it's just something to think about. And I do think it particularly hits on the night shift the worst. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as we, as we bring this to a close, what advice do you have for, for laboratorians, technicians, et cetera, or pathologists who are possibly considering a night shift position? What would be your advice? You can just do like a one, one liner advice, kind of pearl of wisdom, um, from each of you. I would advise people who consider starting working night shift, really go for it. 
I think this is a good opportunity to learn the craft of what, what you're doing, whether you are provider or um, tech on the bench, because the pace is much slower and uh, you have opportunity to look around and to think about the process. Uh, another reason is that most people who come to work, um, start their careers, they have uh, student loans uh, to pay and uh, a shift differential helps um, with that. And again, uh, I already mentioned that we uh, help to provide um, help with uh, student loans payments. We still include all folks from night shift into the, uh, you know, include them into the, our team. And so they never should feel like they're left isolated. So I really would encourage people to consider night shift. It's a great opportunity. I agree with uh, what Natalia was saying about it is an amazing learning experience, not just in particular, maybe your field of study or expertise, but as a learning experience for yourself. You learn to trust yourself. You learn to really critically think, be self-sufficient. Your safety net is there, but safety nets may be a little farther down when you have to learn and adapt and grow on nights. So absolutely take that type of uh, opportunity and learn from it. Also, don't be afraid to work nights because it is a livable shift. It's a livable lifestyle if you're able to find a balance. Find your balance. Kathy? Yeah, I would, I would say embrace it. It's, it's a magical time in the hospital at night. It's a time that you can learn and a time that you can kind of have some independence and, you know, your small group be able to work and do things. You don't have as much of the daytime fluff to have to deal with. You're just kind of doing your job. And that that's pretty nice. I think there are personalities that will like that better just to get in and, you know, if that is that's a good fit. And then sometimes it's just nice not to be in the fray. It's nice just to be there at night with a small group of people that you trust that are very good doing your job. And I, I actually still really enjoy doing that. Yeah. Uh, you know what? My biggest advice would be kind of more on the personal side, which is to uh, get blackout shades for your bedroom and an eye mask so you can <laughs> sleep mask. during the day. And also like really work with your boundaries with your friends because uh Part of it was that I was younger when I was doing it, but it's like people forget that you can't just go out for lunch at two in the afternoon or whatever. The biggest boundary or like having boundaries with your friends, like do not call me before four o'clock unless somebody's dying. <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. Basically, I'm just like, just protect your sleep, protect your sleep at all costs. Yeah. And my, and my one memory is everything tastes delicious at 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The three-day-old three bagel with wilted lettuce on it and a piece of salmon is delicious at 2 a.m. Absolutely. <laughs> pack a good lunch. <laughs> yeah, pack a healthy lunch, method. not all sugar. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much for, for chatting with us about the night shift. This has been a really great discussion. And I think our listeners are going to take a, a lot away from it. I want to remind those listeners to subscribe to the podcast and to tell all your friends about it. And also don't forget that you can receive CME and CMLE credit for listening to our podcast by looking for Inside the Lab in the ASCP store and on our website at www.ascp.org.